Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Boston Balling. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbutt. We are halfway through the week, so congratulations, everybody. Friday is right around the corner. Everyone hang in there. I know me personally, I enjoyed a nice four-day weekend. I had Monday and Tuesday off from work. I just took those days off because I always find myself having so much PTO and then just never using it. So I figured I would use a couple days and just decompress a little bit. So today technically was my Monday, but it's already halfway through the week. So I'm happy about that. I um, hope everyone's having you know a great start to the week, a good um, day today. There's a lot going on right now, um, a lot to talk about today basketball related i'm really really excited for this episode i have two very special guests with me tonight they do great um celtics and basketball coverage um will and greg hosts of the green with envy celtics podcast how are you both doing tonight doing pretty good doing pretty good i myself did not have a four-day weekend um but <laughs> you know, this week this week's kind of felt like a super long week every day i've woken up thinking it was the the next day so yesterday i woke up thinking you know, like what today it's wednesday right it so wednesday. yesterday i woke up thinking it was wednesday today i woke up thinking it was thursday so my week's kind of been shit not gonna lie <laughs> yeah that's really annoying <laughs> yeah that, that's my week every week now that i you know work from home both for the podcast and then for my you know nine to quote unquote nine to five job the days have kind of lost the feel there's not really much of a feel to them anymore especially tuesday through thursday they're, they're all basically feel the same monday still has a little bit of a feel and friday because i try to sneak out of work early that always has go. a little bit of a feel to it but other than that it's, it's it's basically all the same but gabby i like this approach of just making four-day weekends for yourself i think that's something i'm gonna pitch at my own job because i really that sounds really nice you honestly should because i mean i i found out that not all of my pto can carry over into the following year only some of it so some of yeah. it's just going to end up going to waste if i don't use it and i was like hmm that Monday is the day after the Super Bowl. Like, I know I'm probably not going to feel like working that day. <laughs> I had friends over for the Super Bowl, so that was a good time. But then I was like, hmm, I'm not going to want to work that day. And then I just was like, why not just throw in an extra day just because? Um, and it was a really nice way to just kind of um, relax and decompress. So you should start doing the same. Yeah, never leave that PTO on the table. I, I, I like that approach. Exactly. Yeah. Days, why, why waste days that you can just hang out and not work and get paid for it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Makes a lot of sense. I apologize to my coworkers if they are listening to the show. Um, I love you all, but I need my PTO as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm really happy about you guys joining me. I, um, you know, really enjoy your content. I'm really excited to talk to you guys about basketball and the Celtics. There's a lot going on with them right now. A lot of exciting stuff to talk about with them. Um, so we'll get into all of that. But first, before we kind of get into that, can you guys just introduce yourselves, give a little bit of your background, kind of how you, you know, how this duo started with the show and everything else uh yeah i can jump in there so uh during the bubble i was listening to a few celtics podcasts and um they were good you know and i was just like i feel like i could talk about basketball on 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 par with these guys so i kind of just started recording myself and my thoughts i was super drunk at the time um but <laughs> i started recording myself and i was like you know what that didn't sound as bad as i thought it would sound and I started bringing on some guests. And then Will, who's been my best friend since we were literally two years old, um, he he came on as a guest very early on. And he did such a good job. He's a natural. And I was just like, you know what, dude? Like, you're on so often. Why don't we just make you an official co-host? And then we quickly realized that he is a far better actual host than I. Um, so he took over the hosting duty. So if you go back and you search up like the early episodes of Green with Envy uh, before we joined the 617 podcast, 
who's just my voice and my voice is the one that's kind of leading um leading the podcast and then about a month in it switches to will and from there everything just kind of took off (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic i love it yeah and and, uh yeah it seems like you guys do you know a really good job together which is good yeah best best ideas happen when you're drunk abby i think that's the lesson that that we can really take Take away pto you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think everybody everybody listening is going to be learning some good life lessons tonight from this episode honestly like good things to take away like spread out your pto and like develop good thoughts when you're drunk here we go here's the plan here's the plan schedule some pto get a couple of drinks take that pto create a podcast there you go that's a business plan basically then you can be like us, who's here now talking about <laughs> sports, and then you can thank us for giving you the idea in the first place, everyone. <laughs> See? This show is very educational. <laughs> Boston Balling is a very educational podcast. So how long, how long have you been doing Boston Balling? I started in December of 2020. And so, yeah, like during COVID. And I, the whole reason I started it was because somebody reached out to me to be a guest on their podcast um, shout out to him, Courtney Harden, one of my best friends now, um, who is very talented at, at podcasting. Everyone check out his show. Um, he had me on his show. And then I was like, this sounds kind of fun. Like, is this something like I kind of want to do? I'd be interested in. And so then I kind of just started to develop the idea. And I was like, what's something I'm really passionate about that I could talk about on a weekly basis? And obviously, you know, sports was the first thing that popped into my head. Um, And then everything kind of developed from there. And, you know, like you guys, like I brought on some good guests. I really enjoy talking to different people um, and just hearing their thoughts on different things. And so ever since then, it's just kind of continued to grow. And I'm just really excited for how it's developed over time and kind of the future. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how quickly things kind of take off too? Yeah. You know, like we, we, Will and I were just, you know, talking about basketball. There were probably, I don't know, like 15, 20 people listening to us. And then we started putting out some video content, which is god awful. Like our early video content. <laughs> have, you, have you been getting those Facebook memories? Like the Facebook memories up, oh that pop god. up and you see them? It's, it's crazy where we're at compared to where we were, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever. It's it so bad. Like I can't even watch them. I got to like delete those posts, but I, I don't <laughs> think it's good just, you know, to have it there for progeny's sake. And, um, and we just like start, started doing it. And then people started telling us that they liked it. Um, you know, nobody knows how many people are actually listening to your podcast at the time. You know, you might have 15, 20 people, but for those 15, 20 people, they don't know that, right? They think mm-hmm. that there's this huge audience that's kind of following it. And if you continue to put out the content to the level that you're like putting out, if you were recording for millions of people, eventually those people are going to come. And that's kind of what we found is if we just continue to put out high quality content and bring on high quality guests, um, people are going to tune in and it's, it's been really fun. Yeah. And special shout out to our girl, Smarf Water, AKA Margo. She was one of the first people that kind of contacted us. And now like, she's not only just a friend, but she's also like a colleague of ours. She does a lot of our digital design work. Um, she's someone that's really integral to what we do with the 617 podcast and everything that we put out. Like to Greg's point, you look at our videos from then and you look at them now, now it's got the, you know, the, the Smarf Water touch to it. So it looks a little bit nicer. It's got the nice background. So, you know, you never know just that, that one comment, that one piece of encouragement, you know, it makes, it makes such a big difference and i mean for us like you know it it's big reason why we're at where we are now yeah and it's so true because if people are there telling you that they enjoy your content it's going to make you want to do more of it and put out more of it and then the more people that say that the more your following is going to develop because then they'll tell other people you should check out this podcast you know and so it's kind of about 
I always tell people it's about kind of just sticking with it. And the more that you do it and the more um, good content you put out there, the more people are going to start to listen to the show and come across it. And that's the, that's the cool thing about it. And also if you're talking about something you're really passionate about, you're going to want to keep doing it. You know, you're not going to want to stop doing it. Yeah. We, we, I mean, basically we turned our, our, I mean, that's why it's a big thing within our, our podcast is our friendship. Cause basically this was us taking our text conversations and, you know, at least at the time, cause we was in the middle of the bubble. So we're in the middle of the pandemic. We couldn't get together and watch games, you know, all the time together, like we normally would. So this was a way for us to stay connected as a friendship. And we're just like, well, we might as well just record it and, and then start putting it out. So, I mean, to your point, this is a lot of things that Greg and I were just doing anyways. And now we've just kind of, you know, added a performative aspect to it a little bit. Yeah, which is really cool. And that's the other thing, too, is like you guys are used to, you know, talking about this stuff all the time together as it is. So it didn't probably probably didn't even really feel that much different. It was just like a regular conversation that you guys would have on a regular basis in your everyday lives anyway. You know? Yeah. And, and like it's probably just a little bit more researched now. Like and it, yeah. and it, there's like more yeah. structure to it. Our conversations before were just like absolutely. I mean, as we say, like we watch games a lot of times and we're drinking. So like those those texts will be fired off. Or more of a bar conversation. Style. Yeah. Bar yeah, conversation. Yeah. And now there's more structure. And as we were talking about before, <laughs> before we hopped on here and recorded live, like I need structure. I need places. Uh, I need systems of organization so that my girlfriend doesn't call me a dumb motherfucker. oh yes yes that's uh you know sometimes we just need to be organized and then we maybe won't be be called that but (laughs) shout out danielle i love you (laughs) that is funny though but that's great no i think that's awesome and i know you guys also do some work with um adam taylor from celtics blog who i also had on my show as well so shout out to him too Yeah, that's our guy right there. I mean, he's someone that, you know, from an early on, like when we started trying to build up a Twitter following, he was someone that we were actively kind of just engaging with because we really like Adam's content. You know, Adam's Adam's fantastic at what he does. There's there's not many people that work harder than Adam Taylor. He's constantly putting out material, whether it's for Celtics blog or for any of the other outlets that he works with. And so really, you know, we had him on our show as one of our first guests. You know, I I think he was he was up there. I don't know if he, he wasn't the first, but he was close to the first. And kind of from that, you know, he really enjoyed the conversation he asked greg to come on greg came on celtics blog and three of us kind of you know put our heads together and like maybe we have something because he had been searching for a co-host and now for i don't i don't know if it's been quite a year yet i know we're probably coming up on it but you know collectively we call ourselves the three-man weave when we all get together greg and i rotate being adam's co-pilot for it and uh you know that's just like the networking that we have built through that like Twitter community, through that Celtics community, um, you know, that just really speaks to it. And that's been a, a really big part of Greg and I's journey. Yeah. And it's, it's good that you bring up networking too, because that's a huge thing because th- that's so important because that's really what can get people places too. Cause if you know somebody, you know, you get those types of opportunities and then it gets you more exposure later on. So the more that you do that, the more active you are on like Twitter, because everybody's not, well, not everybody, but you know what I mean? So many people are on Twitter now that you can connect with so many people that way. And I feel like it's just a really good way to continue to network and, you know, grow your following because those people, those types of people will help you. And Gabby, we always talk about this because Will has pretty much taken over the Green Envy Pod uh, Twitter account because I I'm so bad at dealing with trolls. Like I, I just engage in the shit. Um, so how do you how do you personally deal with like Twitter trolls? Do you have any, first of all? And then how do you how do you deal with them? Oh, yeah, I think they exist kind of everywhere. And for one, that's usually the people who just don't have a life and they just need to yeah. find like things to, you know, kind of like get on people on Twitter about. I mean, I've gotten things like 
this is going to sound bad. I've gotten things like you're a female. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, it, it's rough out there. I've seen the comment kind of sections the biggest for things females. That I run into yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's bad. And like, I just like mute those people. And then I just like, don't yeah. even see their content anymore. So if I get people who are like, you know, being negative all the time or like just trying to, um, you know, pick on me in that way or be like a major Twitter troll. And I'm like, well, First of all, like you, you have no profile picture. So learn to like get a profile picture before <laughs> you like just like brag on somebody else. And second of all, like I just find it funny at this point because I'm just like, yeah, these people just like have no life and they're just looking for ways to kind of um get on people. So at first it would really, really bother me actually. Like I would like think about all that stuff and really took that stuff to heart. But then I realized after a while, like I couldn't do that. Cause I was like, there's so many more people who are going to support you than people who don't. And so those mm -hmm. people are always going to exist, but I just mute those people and move on. And then I'm just like, yeah, I won't see their content anymore. And then I just don't think about it. So that's how I've learned to let it kind of not bother me anymore, but they're, they definitely still exist. And I think they always will, you know? Yeah. That's something we're working on with Greg right here. That's like you said, that's why I kind of handle it because I just, I just like, ignore those people i don't really engage with them and you know for me like i i twitter if you compartmentalize it i think twitter is actually a pretty beautiful space but you really have to compartmentalize it because there is some darkness that exists within that application like i'm not saying that it doesn't it's certainly there but i think if you try to you know just compartmentalize the parts of it that are actually open to a dialogue or a discourse and it's and those are the ones that i really enjoy where even if i tweet something or we put something on the show that maybe you don't agree with. Maybe you think that, you know, Enos Freedom was a great player for the Celtics. You'd be wrong. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk with you about, you know, why I think he was horrible for our defense. It made no sense in our scheme. And I'm really glad that we brought back Daniel Tice. And we can kind of go back and forth on it a little bit. But it's, it's those that just constantly, like, to your point, that we're almost born to troll. That it's like, why am I going to waste my mm -hmm. breath when I, in my breath, I mean, I guess my Twitter fingers, on, like, on <laughs> oh, us yeah. just going back and forth on the same narrative that you're clearly never going to have a different opinion about you just want to keep hammering home the same point and like it's you're just not worth the time so you remove that you engage in you know what makes twitter a a really great space when it operates properly and that's what we try to like really dive head first into. well give me some credit though because this the few people that we we know that are constantly <laughs> yeah. commenting on Let's our not stuff shout them out i know you do not shout them out, out. We don't, yep. but i i i have not yep. responded to those people in a while Give me some yeah. credit. No, no, I, I give you props. I give you props for it. That's a step in the right direction. We believe in growth. We're big on growth, Gabby. I also, yeah, I also like the mute button better than blocking because if I block somebody, that kind of looks like they like quote unquote won and that they mm. like bothered me too much to the point where I like couldn't handle it. And I feel like they'll feel satisfaction from that more than anything. So I mute them because they don't know. And then yeah. I just don't see what they're saying. And then they just get ignored. And I feel like that is a better sense of fulfillment for me because they're like oh she's just unbothered by it at this point definitely yeah we so need we need a we need a a dumb motherfucker button you use that every time like those people come up yeah <laughs> <laughs> courtesy of your girlfriend yeah. you trademark <laughs> that, that button on twitter it's by, inspired by me yeah. <laughs> really though. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, but that's, that's kind of how I handle those things. I, it used to bother me a lot more, but the longer amount of time I've spent on Twitter, the more I realized I just can't worry about those people because they are going to exist and they just love to just rag on people. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? Like, with, with like, why don't you start a show then if you yeah. feel so like passionate about like just arguing <laughs> with everybody constantly? Um, so yeah, to answer your question, that's kind of how I handle it. But, you know, like Will said, I think Twitter can be a really good place. You just have to use, know how to use it the right way and like separate the kind of the positivity 
from the negativity and just focus more on that. But you can, it can actually really help you to grow your following. And, and even the, with my show, I mean, Twitter is one of the biggest reasons why I have as many followers as I do on the show, because people just retweet stuff and all that, you know, and um, the guests will share stuff and that really helps too. So that's why I like using Twitter for that reason. Yeah. I mean, this conversation started in the DMs, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this wouldn't have happened without Twitter. Um, so, but yeah, no, hopefully Greg, you can kind of work on that more as well. Um, <laughs> and just not worry about it. Like just trust that your content is good and there are more people who like it than don't. And that's kind of how you have to think about it. Yeah, Will got mad at me the other day. Well, not really mad, but like friendship mad because I, I started tweeting out grammar lessons because my full time job is an English teacher. So like oh, I, really? I put out I put out some um some grammar lessons for like there versus there and two versus two. And then Will was just kind of roasting me on the last pod. He was like, Yeah, we built up this great following and they're not here for you to talk <laughs> give grammar lessons. That's hilarious. Okay, man. I'm a natural. We're, we're on a string of bringing on like King Josiah, you know, King of, King of NBA Twitter. We got Keith Smith on. We got Jared Weiss. And then Greg's like, oh, hey, everybody's tuned in. Let me unload the grammar lessons. That's what the people want. So it was, uh, it, it was, it was fun. We had, we had one of our best friends on recently who, uh, who wrote a book that you can find on Amazon called I Felt the Funeral. His name's Martin McDonough. We had him on. So it was, it was kind of cool as we had, he's, he's one of our best friends. So it was me and him kind of like a handicap match against Greg just roasted him for a suite. So that's always I'm a fun time. That's really funny. Yeah, no, th this is, that's, that's that's hilarious actually <laughs> yeah that's exactly what people are there for um no that no you want to have fun with it too though you know like it's it's just one of those platforms where like it's your your page so you want to have fun with it too but it's definitely there there's definitely multiple ways to use it but um yeah no definitely i would that's kind of the advice that i've given myself that i've kind of followed but um yeah i mean there's a lot to talk about right now really i mean the celtics Obviously, felt we saw a lot of frustration earlier on in the season, um, extreme frustration. Um, but then, I mean, lately, you know, riding a nine-game win streak, uh, hopefully ten after tonight, um, and heading into the All-Star break, you know, obviously we're seeing really good basketball right now. They're really starting to figure things out, which I think we all were waiting for and knew they could do. I just don't think all the pieces were really there. And, you know, they there were things that they had to figure out. But it looks like they're really starting to um, – so I just want to hear your thoughts on kind of the season so far, like what's kind of your perspective on where the Celtics are at now compared to where they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, I think they're a completely different team. Um, one, they're actually fully healthy aside from last night and in tonight's game against the Pistons where they're going to be without Robin smart. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, Will and I've been talking about this all year. If you're going to like blame Ime Adoka, like at least let him do his thing for one year with the roster that he wants and the players that he wants. And, you know, we were very critical of Ime early in the year. I think everybody was just the way that he was handling some things. There were a lot of growing pains. And we talked about how players, right, they have their own learning curve. And I don't think enough people were giving Ime credit for that as a first-year uh, full-time head coach. He's going to have a very, very steep learning curve. And I think it just that initial bend of the curve was super steep. And now it, he, he's figuring it out. And um, I, I think that Ime's done a great job. That's pretty much been the my biggest takeaway from recent play is that the, the team has clearly bought into Ime's system on both ends of the court. 
Um, we can talk about like more specifics later, but big picture, I think Ime looks like the right hire, looks like the right man for the job at this point in the season. And the Celtics health and their defense coming together has just completely altered everybody's mood. I mean, you talked about frustrations. I literally was thinking to myself, like before bed, I'm like, do I need a mouth guard like when I go to sleep now? Because I'm like grinding my teeth in my sleep because every <laughs> night after a Celtics game, I'm just so frustrated. You know? <laughs> so like I literally bought a mouth guard and I was using it for a while. <laughs> I definitely can relate to that, though, for sure. But, yeah, no, I think that's really well put. And I was kind of the same way. I mean, earlier on in the season, I was like, oh, my gosh, like so many things that this guy does frustrate me. But then at the same time, I was saying to people, okay, like maybe we should just give it some time. Like this is his first year coaching the team. Like let's just kind of give him some time to kind of get acclimated, see the way that he wants to, you know, really run this team and then just kind of see how he does. We can reassess the situation as we get deeper into the season. And I do think a lot of what he's doing now, I really like, and I'm, I'm with you. I think I credit a lot of this to him with the way that they've been able to kind of turn things around. And they're looking like a really, really scary team right now when they're playing, when they're fully healthy and they're, they're, you know, playing basketball the way they are now. Yeah. I mean, one of the toughest things I don't really think we accounted for, and to Greg's point, we, we were obviously critical of Ime at different points, and I don't think it was necessarily unjustified, but I think one of the parts that we probably didn't factor in as much is that with those rookie growing pains, as Greg kind of, as Greg alluded to, you know, it, it's also different from when you inherit a team that has expectations, even if those expectations weren't necessarily championship, when you have two all-stars, it, it just automatically comes with a certain level of competitiveness that you should be, you know, at each and every night, just because just by virtue of having those two guys out there, regardless of what else is going on. And so with that, that's where I think there's this kind of gap of having a little bit of patience, but also wanting to, to play up to the talent level. And if you flip it back to, you know, because the Celtics, for the most part, you know, they had that long run with Doc Rivers. Then Brad Stevens comes in. And if you think back to that first year with Brad Stevens, the team wasn't very good, but they exceeded their very, very low expectations. And so from that point on, it was different. So Brad didn't have, when he inherited the team, there was a ton of question marks. He was coming from college. No one really knew what to expect at that time. He kind of, along with Billy Donovan, ushered in, hey, it's okay to start going back to college. Because if you think back before that, a lot of those had failed. And we lived through the Rick Pitino era in the 90s. Like, that was a disaster. There's a bunch of other guys, Fred Hoiberg, that you can go through the list that they did not translate. So Brad kind of was one of the guys that ushered in that era. So his expectations were entirely different from Ime Odoka, who's coming in here. He's got two all-stars. And, you know, it's it's really crazy to think about where we are right now, you know, in the sixth seed, which, you know, at the beginning of the year, Greg and I predicted, I think we both predicted the Celtics to finish fifth in the East, mm-hmm. which a month ago, we looked insane for thinking that that was the case. <laughs> and, now, and now we look right on track. We look like we knew what we were talking about the entire time. So it's really crazy to see the, the way things have flipped. And I do think Ime deserves a ton of credit for that. But as Greg mentioned, health has also played a big role in it and really just simplifying a lot of stuff that the Celtics are doing. Like they cut the rotation down over the last two, three weeks, even with the trades that have been made pretty much no more than about eight or nine guys are getting playing time each night. And consistently it's typically about those same guys. So everyone's really kind of finding their roles, knowing their responsibilities and knowing where they fit in. And I think that's made a world of difference. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's really well put, too. And I think, you know, when we look at the Celtics right now and earlier on in the season, we had, you know, the people from Celtics Twitter who were saying, like, you know, Jason and Jalen can't play together. Like, one of them needs to go. And I was like, that is absolutely ridiculous. I was like, these two, like, we need to keep these two together because these two are going to be, like, who you have to build the team around. Um, And I I just was like, if we separate them, that, to me, is going to be, like, the biggest mistake. Um, And now we're really starting to see more of, like, yeah, they can play together like they they work together it's just a matter it was just a matter of finding the right combination of people around them like in my view to be able to make that work because I just didn't think that separating the two of them was going to make the team better I think it would actually have made them worse um I've always been big on like those are your two guys like these are two superstars here that can help you win a championship and it's a matter of finding the right combination of people to support them and play around them um to help make that happen yeah, yeah, I think with with us, the thing that we always have said is like, that's the last place, like that's the last resort option you go to. Yeah. Like if, you know, you go through option A, B, C, D, E, and then if eventually just nothing else works, that's the only option you have, you know, definitely not right now, maybe a year and a half, two years down the line. Okay, we, we've tried building around them. We've tried, you know, trading other players to bring in new fits. Like that's that's the very last option that you go to. Because if you look around the NBA, there's about maybe five or six franchises that wouldn't say, hey, I will trade places with the Boston Celtics where I get to have two star wings that are, you know, sub 25, 26 years old that are both all-stars. Even though Jalen didn't get named this year, he's still an all-star level player. You know, to have those two guys that play both sides of the ball, like just about everybody's taking that starting point and then they'll figure it out from there. So blowing that up i understood where the narrative of the conversation comes and where you start to think about especially for an elongated stretch of that that 500 play but there's a lot of factors that go into it we live in weird times right now like that certainly is something you have to think about but it it never really fully made sense to go that route especially this early maybe later but it was it was never really an option that i know greg and i thought was something that that should be addressed in the moment yeah. And yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Gabby. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say quickly. I was like, yeah, I feel like that's only the option if like this team really, really is down bad and like really yeah. stinks. And the only option is to just like blow up everything and rebuild. Honestly. Yeah. And I, I was I was thinking back to a pod that Will and I did, I think about a month ago now. And I, I said on the pod, I said, if the Celtics were to go on like a seven, eight, nine game winning streak, would everybody still say that the Celtics are a bad team or would they say that they're finally living up to like their, their potential and their expectations. Right. And that kind of was the issue is we, up until this streak, we hadn't had an elongated winning streak. I think our longest was three coming into this streak. It was. Right. With, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like <laughs> when you, all the inconsistency comes in. Right. Oh my God. So inconsistent. And when you think about like the top end talent that we have, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is the perfect starting point. And when you think about what Brad Stevens has done to put like a top eight or six guys around those two compared to what we had last year, it's just completely different. And you don't need to go out and get another star. You have your two stars. You look for the perfect complementary players. And as, as like talented as Dennis Schroeder was, as talented as Josh Richardson and as productive as he had been, they weren't the perfect fits to play around the Jays. And Derek White, maybe he's not the perfect fit, but he's pretty damn close. D- Daniel Tice instead of Enos Freedom, that's a really big upgrade there because you couldn't play Enos Freedom. Like yeah. you could not put him on the court. Anytime he was on the court, he was just a complete waste of space. And now you got Daniel Tice who can come in and literally do exactly what you need him to do. But 
It's no longer Brad Stevens, the head coach. So Daniel Tice is no longer starting over Robert Williams, which is what he never should have been doing in the first place. Now he's coming in his rightful role as like the perfect third big. That is what Daniel Tice is. He's not a starting center, but he's a damn good backup center. Yeah, and depth is a huge thing, which obviously, you know, in the past, we haven't really been able to say that the Celtics, like, had a lot of depth because they kind of did lack depth in certain areas. And I think, like, somebody bringing in somebody like him is going to be huge down the stretch because, like you said, he's not a starting caliber center, but we don't need him to be. And that's not really what his role here even needs to be, and that's not why they brought him in um, at the trade deadline. And, I mean, that's, that's like, a good segue into all of this because I was going to ask what you guys felt overall about the um, – Celtics at the trade deadline and kind of the moves that they made and who was brought in. Like I wasn't too surprised really at all about who we saw leave. Um, I think these were all kind of players that, you know, were names being thrown around that it was kind of expected that they were going to leave because they didn't really fit in with the Celtics overall scheme and game plan and not like they're bad players. I mean, like Josh Richardson, I think is like, you know, he's a good player. He just doesn't really make sense for what the Celtics are trying to do. And so overall I was not really surprised by who we saw get shipped out at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, I think Greg touched on it it earlier. It, it comes down to, and, and, they, and both Ime and Brad used this in the press conference the other day a lot, talking about the trade deadline, accentuating the Jays, finding players that, that fit off them well. And maybe Derek's not perfect, but he's a lot closer to that than what you have with Dennis Schroeder. And I think you're seeing that even just in the first three games that he plays. Derek White does a lot of the little things that aren't necessarily always going to show up in the box score. So Dennis Schroeder may have a game where, where he scores 28 points or scores 20-plus points. Derek White may only have 12, 13, 14, 15 points, but he's going to become a lot better or a lot more of a secondary playmaker or a tertiary playmaker, which is where Greg and I love to talk about. Uh, that's going to be something that Derek White brings. He's going to move the ball quicker. You know, he comes from a Spurs system where they're all about 0.5 seconds. What are you doing? Are you shooting pass? Like you got to make a decision in that 0.5 seconds. Ime comes from that system. Ime has a familiarity with Derek White. So, you know, I was a little surprised with, with Derek White only because that had never been a name that really yeah, surfaced in any type of rumor. So, like you know, that was... Right. That that's the part like to your point, like Josh Richardson and, um, you know, Dennis Schroeder and even Romeo like that going out wasn't necessarily surprising. What came back in Daniel Tice and, you know, in uh, Derek White, that was the surprising end. But uh, I do think that this was a net positive for the Celtics. Um, and it's it's very early to see see what happens. I do think I'm a little concerned about our depth. You saw Marcus Smart went out last night. It looks like it shouldn't be too bad or too long, but you get pretty quickly down to that bench where, you know, if there is an injury or two, we still have multiple open roster spots. We're going to be active on the buyout market, but typically there's not, you know, gems waiting there. Those are going to be guys that are discarded for one reason or another, but yeah. we're going to have to fill out our depth with that. So that is a little bit of a concern going forward. But I think when you look at the main guys, if healthy, that should be available, adding Derek White and Daniel Tice to be, you know, that support in the front court, especially when you have an aging guy in Al and someone in Rob that sometimes can have some injury concerns. Daniel is a much better safety net to have than Enos Freedom, where you can see a night last, like last night, you know, I don't have any hair left to pull out. Greg still does if he takes off his hat. You know, if we have Cantor or, excuse me, Freedom going up against Embiid, that's a nightmare. That's just a nightmare. We saw that a couple weeks ago when Embiid put 40 on us, you know, so we can't have that, but you can still keep the integrity of your defense with Tice and you can roll with Tyson Horford or Tyson and Rob if somebody's out. And, and that just gives you a lot more options going forward. So depth will be a concern, but I love what they did at the deadline. I think at the end of the day, if you're healthy, you've made your team better. Yeah. yeah and uh, Derek White to me, like he was a guy, as, as you said, Gabby, like I was kind of surprised that, that we got Derek White. I didn't see that coming whatsoever. And 
we live in Austin, Texas. We grew up in Dorchester. We went to Boston Public School, went to Boston Latin. Will's a UMass Amherst guy. I'm a Boston College guy. Um, okay. So that's that's where the <laughs> we're really Boston like, at heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, where are you big from? time. Yeah. Where are you from, Gabby? Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay. okay. What part? Yeah. I grew up like about 10 to 15 minutes or so from the Yukon campus. Oh, okay. Nice. Right near stores. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Like right in that general vicinity. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so like we're we're Boston boys, right? So we we we've been around we've been around the block, but we live in Austin, Texas, and the Spurs are an hour and twenty minutes away if we ever want to go see them. But because of blackout restrictions, we can't really watch the Spurs. Like they're like a team that for whatever reason we can't see on NBA TV League Pass. So now, like when I when I heard we were getting Derek White, I was like, hmm. Like, what do, what do I actually know about this dude? I've seen him play a handful of times. I haven't gone and, like, studied Derek White tape. I watched that 2019 FIBA World Cup where he, he didn't have, like, a huge role in that team. So all I knew was that he was a gritty defender and that every once in a while he could hit a three-pointer and that he was, like, a Spurs guy, right? So he would know how to play basketball. And then when I watched a little bit of tape on him and saw what he could do in the pick and roll and saw how he has a little floater game that a lot of Celtics players do not have. So that's a shot that I think is going to um, bear some fruit later in the season. I was just really excited. And then when you see the first two games, it's been two games now, right? First three games. He's the perfect fit. He's the perfect fit for this team. He's very similar to how like I look at Alonzo Ball. What he what he's doing for the Chicago Bulls, even though he's hurt right now, he he's not going to put up twenty five points as Will said, right? He's not a Dennis Schroeder who's going to have these nights where he goes for forty, and that's okay because his impact on the game is not points. His impact on the game is all the little things that you need him to do. And then you know he's a perfect, um, he's like a Marcus Smart, not a poor man's Marcus Smart, but. He's, he's just another Marcus Smart. Let's just yeah. call it what it is. He's another Marcus Smart. He's not a poor man's anything. And he, he looks great. And you saw what happened when Marcus went out last night. He stepped right in. We did not miss a beat. Our depth, you know, we had to play, play Aaron Neesmith. But thankfully, we smacked the Sixers by 48 points. Yeah, and we didn't, we didn't need them in the fourth Unbelievable. Quarter. Unbelievable. I had a good feeling going into the game just about just based on how they had been playing lately. But I definitely did not think it was going to be that much of a blowout. I thought it was going to be a much closer game. But the Celtics just looked completely in control and just completely dominant the whole game. And if that's, that's what I mean here. Because if they play like that, they're showing that they actually can compete with – um, some of the better teams in the East, and they weren't really showing that earlier on in the season because nobody was really threatened by the Celtics because they weren't playing that well. But now we're seeing like what people have talked about really all season, which is if the Celtics are fully healthy, like that's a talented team that can compete with other teams in the Eastern Conference. And I feel like that win last night was just such a big like confidence boost for them too. Yeah, and I think you know one of one of the biggest parts about that is, of course, you know Philly made that big move at the deadline. They're still waiting on James Harden, but. You know, last night, you know, Marcus Smart plays 12 minutes before he goes out with the injury. Rob Williams is out. And, you know, that's always usually one of the caveats is, oh, well, especially during the streak. And the Celtics have caught a few breaks, but you got to you got to beat who's in front of you. And so, you know, th th there was no, you know, oh, they didn't have James Harden. Well, we didn't have our starting center and we didn't have, you know, Marcus Smart. So that kind of evens out. I know James Harden's a, a great player, but he hasn't played a single game for them all year and they've been towards the top of the league. So really they're playing without Seth Curry and we're playing without two starters. And to come out there and hang them by almost 50, like that's a statement. That's a, that's a big time statement on the road leading up to the All-Star break. It almost makes me not want to have the All-Star break come because I don't want to lose this momentum. That's what I was just going to ask, too, because I literally tweeted that exact thing last night after the game. I said, 
I'm honestly a late, like, obviously I love what I'm seeing from the Celtics right now, but it does make me a little concerned knowing that this hot streak came right before the all-star break. And I really am a little bit concerned that they're going to have this break and then they're going to come out of it. And like, obviously I hope it doesn't happen, but that they lose some of this momentum. Like, does that concern you guys at all? Because it seems like Will's on the same page with me on that too, because I literally tweeted that after last night's game. I just said, this this is just such unfortunate timing for this to be happening. And it's like, I'd like to think that, you know, they'll continue that. And obviously I think um, they're not going to keep, they're not going to win every single game the rest of the season. That's just unrealistic, but like, can they maintain this level of play that they're that they're playing at right now? Um, yeah, I I think so. Like I'm I'm a little concerned about like kind of the like even tonight against the Pistons. We're recording this before the Pistons game. Like it's a natural trap game. Um, they just had this huge win over the over the Sixers. I don't expect them to lose to the Pistons. The Pistons have 12 wins. Um, yeah, and they're they not trying win. to win. Yeah, they, they should win tonight. But like I wouldn't be surprised if we lost tonight. Just like in a classic trap game. And then coming out of the break, I actually think this is a perfect time for the team to get a break, though, because I think they've the reason why they've been playing so well is they had this to look forward to. It's like we can just play super hard right up until the all-star break, and then the only guy going to the game is Tatum, right? So everybody else is going to get a full week off. And when we come back, it's a sprint to the finish. There's like 22 games left or something like that. It's just unreal. Like, Crazy. unreal. This season is flying by. I can't – I cannot believe that, right? So, like, I think coming out of the break, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for them to refocus, recenter, spend some time with their families. Um, you know, people can rest some injuries. You know, Jalen always has that knee that you're a little bit worried about. He's kind of dragging that knee around. And then he has, like, games where he looks amazing. So, I, I, I think it's actually the perfect time. I, I – I would, I'm going to play devil's advocate there. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you make some really good points. I mean, the momentum is something that you always kind of want to carry, but really towards the end of the season, that momentum is going to be a little bit more important. And to the bigger picture, like especially last night where, you know, Rob doesn't play, Marcus gets injured. I'm very happy to have that break, to have time to, you know, kind of recuperate. And it gives Brad Stevens in the front office time because, you know, if you go check out, we, we talked about this with Keith Smith on our podcast about uh, a few weeks, maybe about a week or so ago. And, you know, the Celtics have, are, are doing everything they can to be competitive, but also stay under the tax. And so Jalen Brown has an incentive tied, a bonus incentive tied to making the All-Star game, which he hasn't yet. But there is still a small chance with Zach Levine's injury out there that he gets named as a replacement as that hasn't officially happened yet. And you know, he'd be one of the couple guys that would be in consideration. Maybe Pascal Siakam gets it, maybe Drew Holiday. There's, there's a few guys that, that could be, so there's no guarantee. And so until that happens, it, it feels like Celtic management is waiting for that and the buyout market to develop a little bit. And to the point of being able to rest guys, give them you know proper nights off. Like even last night when that blowout, you, know, you have Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard out there late. And right now they're pretty crucial to our depth. So, you know, yeah, if, yeah. if they have one misstep that goes the wrong way, our depth is hurt even more. So in those situations, you don't even really want those guys playing. You you want your backups to the backups to be okay. And then you have, you know, the Broderick Thomas, the Sam Hauser, the, the Luke Cornett out there to close out a 50-point game where if they go down, that hurts more the, the main Celtics than it does the Boston Celtics. And so to that point, once we figure out if Jalen gets named or not, it may give Brad time to start to bring in and fill in those final roster spots. And that will help give us a little bit more depth to get through that sprint. As, as you talked about that are 22 games from February 24th to April 10th. And then it's playoff time. Yeah. That is such a good point too, about the depth though, because those guys like, you know, Peyton Pritchard, B Smith, like I love watching them play and they are those guys that, you know, come out and late in the game, if they're, you know, winning by a lot, like they were last night, like, 
things like that. Like I like watching them play, um, but it's like, yeah, they're going to be super important down the stretch. Like you don't want those guys to get injured because these are guys who actually are going to be, you know, valuable later on. So it's like, yeah, you don't want to put them in too much. You know what I mean? Right now, because when it comes down to like important games towards the end of the season and then even like into the playoffs and stuff, like you're going to need those guys to be able to step up too. Cause you can't have, you know, you can't have your starters playing the whole game consistently every time so that's super important as well and I, that's something I kind of didn't even really think about too much either it's like these guys are super important and and that's like people are like yeah like I mean they're the second string guys but they they're an important second string of guys you know what I mean yeah and I think like last night you know if it's a one-off in which Pritchard and Neesmith play an extent extended time down the stretch I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because Neesmith needed last night, right? He needed those extra minutes to find his rhythm and to make a few mistakes, make some, you know, dumb, dumb errors where Ime is not going to pull him out of the game. He's going to play through it. And that's really important for his development, especially him, because he hasn't had that opportunity this year with all the depth behind him. Um, But if like, I think over the, this game against the Pistons and then however long Marcus Smart is out is going to be really, really important for Pritchard and Neesmith because one of those guys is going to have to step in and fill his shoes. Um, it'll be matchup dependent, right? Probably on the defensive end. So I, I'm really looking forward to what I'm going to see out of those two guys tonight against the Pistons and then moving forward. Because I do think, and I don't know where you are uh, with uh, Neesmith, Gabby, but Will and I were really high on Neesmith coming into the season. I was even advocating for him to start just so he could get developmental minutes and have a defined role on the team that wasn't the end of the bench. And it just didn't happen for him. So now that now that kind of everybody's been cleared out in front of him, Romeo, Josh Richardson, um, they're gone. Now it's time for him to get maybe 10 minutes a night. And when when there's an injury or when someone needs to rest, he might even get 25, 30. And I'm excited to see what he can do. What are, what are your thoughts on him, Gabby? Yeah, it's interesting that you bring this up because, like, he's kind of one of the people who um, I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to see this kid play more because I feel like he can be – really important to this team and he can be valuable. I just think he hasn't gotten enough of a chance to do that yet. And my thoughts on um, Grant Williams were pretty similar to that too, before he started getting more playing time. Cause I was like, I kind of, I, I, I feel like people like were crapping on Grant Williams, but I was like, I feel like he just needs more time. Like I feel like there, he has the potential, um, you know, to be able to really contribute and now look at, look at him. Like he's gotten more playing time and he's, He's, you know, he's really improved like a lot over the course of this season because he's just been getting more and more opportunities. And my thoughts on Neesmith are really similar to that as well. I think he's somebody who he just hasn't really had an opportunity just kind of by default just because of everybody else that's around him. So he hasn't really gotten like those consistent minutes yet, but I'm kind of excited to see what he can do if he does. Yeah, I mean, there's a big chance, as I've talked about, you know, the buyout market a couple of times the, to fill out depth. And even throughout the season, when we've talked about what is this team missing? It's it's a guy that plays on the wing and and, and knocks down threes, which is which is what Aaron Neesmith is supposed to be. Or that's what he was drafted as. And, you know, he just hasn't had necessarily the opportunity. And when he's gotten the opportunity, it's been inconsistent and he hasn't been able to necessarily force Ime's hand to this point to say, hey, you have to play me. And so, you know, him getting some more opportunities, you know, even in last night, like to your point, Greg, he 
definitely needed to see a couple go down. I even tweeted, you know, I think it was in the first half when the game was still, you know, somewhat close. When Aaron Nismith is getting shooters rolls, look out. Like this game's <laughs> this game yeah. is gonna be over quick because that doesn't happen. That that's a sight that we don't get to see very often. And you know, so if he does get some extended opportunities and, and maybe even Sam Hauser gets a look too. I thought his release look, his shot looked pretty interesting last night. I'm curious to see if, if he gets a few shots down the line here. Those could be the guys that fill in that, you know, maybe ninth slot in the rotation that get by the time we get to, you know, these important, meaningful games, playoff games, they're getting 10 to 15 minutes and they're they're kind of a spark plug or that additional little uh, little wild card you throw out there that knocks down three three threes in a span of 10 to 15 minutes that you weren't expecting that night. And maybe that makes a difference in a, in a big playoff game. Yeah, Definitely. Think, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. No, sorry. I was just going to say one thing. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I think there's a few guys that can be thrown into that category who those situations like last night, those are the times when you do need to throw them in the game because then there is that room for error for players like Neesmith who are still kind of developing and kind of, you know, really establishing themselves. And so you, you need to put them in games like that so that they're allowed to make those mistakes. And it doesn't really affect the overall performance of the team that night, because then like now, like we're thinking to right now, like now look at the end of the regular season, the more that they continue to get those reps, like imagine how much cleaner of basketball, hopefully Neesmith will be playing by then because he will have gotten more exposure and then cutting out on those errors. So that way, when he does have to come into the game in crucial situations, that's not happening anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the couple things from last night that made me realize really quickly this was a game that the Celtics just had in the bag. One, uh, Aaron Neesmith's shooter's role. And two, the fact that uh, Semi Ojale was on the court for the 76ers. Did you guys see him running around? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. no, that was Tobias Harris. My bad. I, I, I got them confused. <laughs> I, I, you, me that, you Greg sent me that joke last night. I, I was not ready for it. I should have. I should have been ready for that. Yeah, I mean, the, Tobias Harris is so bad. I have to talk about how bad this dude is. Like, how is how is he like, – at what point did anybody think it was worth giving him a max contract? Like, what does he do well on the court? I really don't get it. Like, who uh, – what does he have, like, something on Doc Rivers? Like, like I, don't, I really don't get it. He sucks. <laughs> well said. Yeah, I mean, well he said. doesn't really seem to contribute at all. So, like, he's just kind of there. To me, he's just, like – just kind of there like he just kind of takes up space yeah. for them. i was like he's not benefiting your team at all it's you know what he, i mean he, he's the type of guy that as you're watching the game like it feels like and i check out the 76ers quite often because they're, they're one of our top rivals so even when we're not playing them, they're a team i check in and i really love watching joel Embiid play but it feels like when you watch the sixers there's so many times where you just forget that he's on the court and a guy who's making 40 million dollars you have to at least know that he's on the you know and so you know he every once in a while he'll have a little spurt he'll have a couple of moments where he hits a few shots and it, tobias always comes it always comes back to me like if tobias harris was like 12 to 15 million and he's mm -hmm. your maybe fifth best player like that's okay that's fine but when he's your fifth or sixth best player and he's 40 million dollars that's a whole other issue and i think that was you know that's why you heard his name come up so much during the ben simmons saga where you know daryl moore was trying to get a little frisky and he was like well if you take simmons you gotta take tobias harris mm -hmm. and then that stalled a lot of the negotiations and that, those were i think more so it where he was looking at some of those lower level deals he's like all right if i'm gonna settle for this i'm getting off this tobias con harris contract because he inherited that when he came into philly <laughs> and he wants just just like us he wants no part yeah, no, that's so true. I mean, no, <laughs> I'm still laughing about that joke. That <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I'm, no, I mean, I'm with you. And I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do with James Harden now, because that's going to be that that whole 
move kind of intrigues me a little bit. I think obviously Brooklyn, it was just not working out with James Harden. And I think, you know, hopefully this is going to be a better place for him. But do you guys think that the Sixers are legitimate contenders now with James Harden there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I listen, like James Harden is at least this so far this season has not been the James Harden that yeah. he was in Houston or even that he was last year when healthy in Brooklyn. Looks like he came in, you know, out of shape, you know, but he still had his moments. I mean, if you look at his numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but they're basically like 23, nine and seven. Like, you know, what I mean, like those are really good numbers that that he's still putting up. I, I think how him and Embiid play off of each other will will be interesting but you know he, he does open up their ceilings I think right now if you look at and, and Greg and I talked about this before like I, I think you can kind of look at that trade and say the Nets won that trade just because they got Seth Curry they got a couple picks that, are, that go with it but for the Sixers like you were just never like, like that that relationship with Ben Simmons was there's no therapist in the world is going to come in and fix that it's just it just wasn't happening it's a complete net zero so <laughs> so basically true. they the top four or five team in the east most of the season, and they're getting zero from that spot. So you basically just took the Seth Curry spot and you turned into James Harden. I love Seth Curry. He's a guy that I've talked about every time we've theorized, who can we get? How can we get shooting on the Celtics? You know, he's past the point now where he's probably too expensive. I've always wanted to get a guy like Seth Curry in, in green. But, like, if you're just saying, here's Seth Curry, here's James Harden, you take James Harden every time you know, regardless of your feelings on on James Harden. And so when you take the way that the, the Sixers have been playing throughout the year and you just upgrade from Seth Curry to James Harden, I think you have to consider them to, to be a threat. And Joel Embiid might be, you know, last night notwithstanding the, the MVP of the league. He's been that dominant for a very long stretch of time. So I think they will be a different team with James Harden out there. How that fit works, it will be interesting to see because they are definitely missing a few pieces with, with Harden in the mix now. But I do think their ceiling's a little bit higher. Yeah, I, I think with Harden, like, so the, with the Sixers, right, they're going to go as far as Embiid takes them. Yeah, it, It's that simple. Like, oh, he's yeah. their most important player, even though they acquired Harden, as Will said, He's just sliding into that Seth Curry spot, and obviously he's going to have a far bigger role than Seth Curry had, but he he's not going to supplant Joel Embiid as the best player on that team. Joel Embiid is probably the MVP of the league right now. He's yeah. playing that well. He's that dominant. It's amazing that the Celtics shut him down last night. The one thing that concerns me about, about James Harden is just like his durability. And Joel Embiid already has durability issues. He has conditioning issues. So now you got two guys who are a little bit out of shape, that are injury prone um, that jo Joel's a great defender. James Harden didn't play like a defense. Is there enough defensive depth around James Harden to make up for it? Tobias, I mean, Tobias Harris, he's all right on defense. Um, Matisse Thibel is an elite wing defender, but as we saw last night, the Boston Celtics like, go ahead, bro, shoot the ball. Like, let's see, let's see what happens. Yeah. Shoot the ball. And he couldn't do shit. Right. So Doc Rivers took him out of the game. And Maxi is the one guy that kind of really intrigues me, but, He's small. Like Tyrese Maxey's really small. And and Jalen bullied him. Derek White bullied him. Marcus Smart bullied him. He's lightning fast. He has a lot of promise, but I think he's probably two or three years away from being a huge difference maker for them in the playoffs. So to me, I don't – unless Embiid just goes absolutely supernova in the playoffs, I don't think they have enough, even with James Harden. Um, I think James Harden's really good. Uh, he's obviously an, a former MVP, but he's never done it in the playoffs. And I, you know, I'm not trying to body shame him, but he's out of shape and he's fat. He needs, <laughs> he needs to get in shape. And he's, he's to put not. it bluntly, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I'm kind of along those similar lines. I think, you know, the Sixers are kind of on the cusp right now, right? Like, I think that they have pieces there. Um, and I think that they have the ability to be able to succeed. I just think that there's still some holes with them. And I think that they need, you know, another season or two to really like fill out their roster to the point where they can be legitimate. And obviously we don't know exactly how Harden's going to fill in yet there. Like we don't know exactly what that's going to look like and um, what his role is actually going to end up being there. But I think, you know, if you look at him, you look at Embiid, like they're, they're, there's talent there. And, you know, obviously they have the coaching too. And I just think, um, I just still think there's a, a little too many holes with them still. And I don't really see them as like, one of the biggest threats to the Celtics, like at this point, you know what I mean? I just think that there's other teams that I think are a little bit more complete than them. And I think with the Sixers, like, I mean, we're used to seeing them be like a first round playoff exit, you know, like this is kind of a regular thing with them. So like, I don't think anybody will be surprised if that happens to, uh, to them again, but if they're not a first round exit, I still don't think they go much past that though. Cause I just think there are other teams in the East who have kind of more of the pieces and are more complete than Philly right now. And I think they're close. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that they're, I think if they just add a few more pieces to their roster to really help fill that out, then I think they could be a really scary team in the next couple of years. I just don't think that they're quite there right now. Yeah. And I don't, I'm, I really don't want to make this like a Tobias Harris bash sesh, but like <laughs> he, they, they, they need more from him. Like <laughs> he can't be a negative on court. And yeah. he was a negative on the court in most games that I watch him play. He's a negative. He needs to be at least like serviceable. You need to at least have some sort of discourse from the announcers around his basketball game and not his physical resemblance to J. Cole. Like that that's all that they did on the broadcast last night mentioning him. And you can't have that happen if you're making that much money and you're the, the team's starting power forward. Like would I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season, like Paul Millsap got more minutes than Tobias Harris. That's how bad I think that dude is. <laughs> so like I, I really think he just needs to play better because he has had moments where it's like, oh, Tobias Harris could be a really good player, but he just hasn't shown it in Philadelphia. And I, I just don't know why um, his shot is broken. His defense is average. And he just like kind of w- like wanes and waxes like the moon. He's, he's there one night and he's not the next. Yeah, I mean, he's probably, to your point, he's probably their swing piece, you know, because like yeah. I think yeah. e- even if you get the out of shape James Harden, like that's still a good player. You know, that's, there's still going to be value there. Maxi, to your point, like he stepped up and taken on a whole new role with Simmons being out. Like that's one of the sneaky developments for the Sixers season is that Tyrese Maxi was almost kind of a throw in nice prospect for, you know, trying to get deals done. By the time the Simmons and Harden deal went down, he was an untouchable. It was like, you're not, you're not touching Tyrese Maxey in this deal. He's part of our future. So, you know, he's supplanted Tobias Harris in this new Sixers world as their, as their third most important player. And so, you know, if Tobias Harris can be something that changes what, what Philly can look like. So I think mm-hmm. the top three give them a baseline, but what Tobias Harris can bring, brings them depth, gives them a whole new kind of curveball that they can throw in. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm personally not relying on that. And it sounds like no one on this podcast is. <laughs> no, I think we're all kind of on the same page there because he's definitely like a wild card. And I'm leaning more towards he's not going to be able to contribute in the way that they need him to because I haven't really seen anything that makes me feel otherwise. And so that's kind of why I'm like, I agree with you, though. I do think that like that changes a lot for the 76ers and what they look like now if they can get him to really contribute and not be like you know off and on hot and cold and like if he can actually really be like um legitimate piece for them who's really valuable I think that actually does kind of change 
my perspective a little bit on how far I think they could go and, and no how much of a threat they could be to other teams. But I, I'm not, like you said, I don't think any of us are really, really are realistically seeing that happen. Like I don't trust Philly still right now. I don't think they're going to make a deep playoff run. Like they really don't scare me that much. I'm not just saying this because of the blowout last night. I'm just saying this in general because of the makeup of their roster. I just don't know that they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I'm like looking around the East, I don't even know if there's like other than Milwaukee because of Giannis. Like I don't really fear any other team. Like Brooklyn, they're gonna have a lot to figure out. And if KD's yeah. not a hundred percent, they're in a lot of trouble. Who knows if Ben Simmons is even gonna be effective for them? I I would bet that he is. I I really I'm 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 a big Ben Simmons like basketball fan. I don't like the way that he handled the situation this oh, yeah. year, but I I love his game. I think I think he's very underrated, especially now. Um, but, like, if you look around the East, the Miami Heat are the team that, like, scare me. But I also think we match up really well with them. So I, I could see them beating us in a seven-game series, but I'm not scared of them. And I, I, I to be fair to them, I also underrated them in the bubble where I was like, there's no way they're going to beat us in the bubble. And oh, I, we I said were, that we, too. You were way <laughs> too confident on that. I really thought we were going to beat them in the bubble as well. I, I genuinely thought that we were going to win that series. Yeah, Jay Crowder, man. Jay Crowder killed me. I was bashing Jay Crowder before the series, and then he he was a really important piece for them in that series. I still I I blame myself for that series loss. Uh, yeah, but the like the Bucks are the one team just because of Giannis that I'm like I don't know if we can handle the Bucks, but everybody else I feel like we we can take on um, the Nets because they're so top heavy. Even though their top is like the best player in the league, and Kevin Durant. I, I, I don't fear them as much as I fear the physical dominance of Giannis. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the East is definitely very interesting right now. I think that could play out a lot of different ways. I think it's very much wide open in terms of like, you know, what teams are going to kind of um, be able to sustain what they're doing and be there at the end. And I think the Celtics are a team who – Obviously, we had this conversation already, but if you look at what the Celtics were at the beginning of the season, I would have said, yeah, no, they can't stand a chance with any of these teams. Like, are you kidding me? Like, they can't play like this and be able to um, compete with those teams. But if we're looking at the Celtics right now, if they're fully healthy, I think they're just as good as any of those teams. And I think, like, you know, if they're able to maintain what they're doing now, like, I, th I think they're going to be a team that a lot of other teams aren't going to want to play because people knew, knew this. Like people knew that like the Celtics had the potential to be there based on the talent that they have on the team and kind of the makeup of the, the roster there. And I think people knew like if the Celtics are playing up to their full potential and they figure things out on both sides of the ball, I think that they are a team that could be scary that nobody's going to want to play. And so I think heading into the rest of this season, like if they can maintain that momentum and like be in a good spot when the playoffs come, like if I'm another team in the east like i'm not going to want to play the celtics in the first round you know yeah i mean one through eight in the east it's th there's not an easy series right now and that takes no, not that's it. i'm not even talking about the play-in right now which the play-in right now has the charlotte hornets who are one of the best offensive teams in the league Lamelo ball super exciting and in the 10 seed is the atlanta hawks who made the eastern conference finals last year with basically you know a, a very similar version of the team that they have this year they've been playing better lately so you know the east is a big time toss-up right now i don't think any which way you go there's going to be an easy matchup and i think a lot of how the east plays out in the playoffs will be health and matchup dependent yep. that's going to be a, a big thing that will swing the east and to greg's point I, I think right now the bucks and heat for me are the two teams that i look that are that are probably slightly ahead of the celtics that if i i were to look i don't really know with philly still a little bit of a question mark without Harden coming in yet and then Brooklyn I just look at that as the KD chip 
you know, if, if KD's KD, like he nearly beat the Bucks with a True. ragtag group last year and James Harden playing on one leg. Like if, if he didn't wear the extra extra big shoes that he does for whatever reason, which is like <laughs> the most insane thing I've ever heard. Whoever wears a shoe that's too big, like that just sounds like an injury waiting to happen. Not saying that's what's going on, but just saying it's a really stupid thing to do. But, you know, if his foot's not on the line, like, you know, the Nets may have ended up in the finals last year and, and not the Bucks who went on to win the championship. Yeah. So, I don't know. East is going to be crazy, but I do think the Celtics are right there in the mix of it. Uh, it's just going to be matchup and health, and that, that will determine a lot once we get to the playoffs. I completely agree. I mean, it's hard to look at the standings right now in the East and say, you know, like this team is at the top and like this team can definitely be so-and-so just because I feel like it's just so wide open right now in terms of like there's a lot of teams that can compete with each other and there's a lot of like, you know, like um, I'm trying to think of the right word, like just a lot of like pretty evenly matched teams. I feel like that could go up against each other um, in the playoffs in the East. And, and it would be hard to say who would come out of those series. Cause like you guys said, like health is going to be the most important thing. Like whatever team's healthier than the other is probably going to be the team that ends up winning that series. And that's why it's going to be really fun to watch that at that point, because like, it's too hard for me to look at the standings right now and say, Oh yeah. Like I feel pretty confident that this team is going to make a deep run in the East. Cause there's just too many teams I think that are close to each other. Um, talent wise in the way that they're playing right now to really be able to know that it's going to be, it's going to come down to like who's playing who and who's also playing the best basketball at that specific point too, because there could be teams that just kind of come out of the woodwork at the end of the season and start playing really good basketball and just click when they need to as well. And so I think there's a lot of different factors that go into that, but I'm with you. I think the Celtics have just just as much of a chance as anybody um, in the East. And that's really exciting because I think even like a month ago, nobody was saying that, you know? So it was like, um, this is finally what we've been waiting to see happen with this whole, you know, Rocky season that we've seen with this team. Um, this is kind of now we're at the point that we were waiting for. And I think if they can continue to play basketball like this, I think that they're going to be right up there and, and it really could be anybody's game when it comes to um, the postseason in the Eastern conference is what I'm looking at. Yeah. Isn't it fun to like talk about a good basketball team? That was like yeah. so miserable. I, I don't know how much you like talk about the Celtics uh, on your pod, but like, you know, that's all we do is we talk about the Celtics. So <laughs> It was just one <laughs> negative conversation after the next. And it just so happened that anytime we were recording, it was after a loss. Like, we were, like, winning every Most other game. Like, live curse. Yeah. Coincidentally, <laughs> like, it was just after they lost. Oh, it was so brutal. And now, like, because we saw this. Will and I were talking about it all season. We we're like, this team definitely has sh is showing signs, and they have this talent. We not Will and I were not trying to break up this team. We didn't want to trade Marcus Smart. We didn't want to trade Robert Williams. We didn't want to trade the Jays. We just wanted thing. to, yeah, we just wanted to like put the right pieces around them and get them healthy. And now that we we actually have those pieces in place, I just want them to be healthy for the last twenty two games of the season and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly with you guys on that too because I had that conversation with so many people and I said no, these guys are the guys that you need to keep here. Like they're kind of the glue of the team that are really going to be the ones that help fuel a championship. It's just a matter of like finding the right people to go around them. And I know there were a lot of people like knocking on Marcus Smart and saying like he should be traded, which I also was like kind of laughing at those people too because I was like I think that's completely ridiculous. But um, and obviously Rob Williams is is awesome. So like, I was like, you need to keep these guys together because they're going to be kind of that glue, that mold that kind of holds the team together and gets them in contention to make a serious playoff run. It's just a matter of like who else fits into that puzzle around them to be able to 
allow them to succeed as best as they could. And I really think that that's kind of what it was about. And I feel like, you know, we're seeing obviously these guys they brought in now, like at the trade deadline, I think they're, I think they're, they're, you know, getting closer to kind of that perfect um, rotation of players that they need. And I think they're not perfect yet in, in that aspect, but I do think this makes them more competitive than they were before the trade deadline. Cause I think these guys are a better fit for the Celtics than what they had before. Yeah, I mean, all I can say is at one point, Greg and I were, were trying to find out others. So the name of our podcast is the show is Green with Envy on the 617 podcast. We did about a 30 minute segment on what else we could cover that's green. Just just to keep just so we can keep the title name. We love the name Green with Envy, but we were talking about covering weed, the cannabis industry, talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Green Bay Packers. We went down the, we went down that whole rabbit hole because it was like there's not much else we could say at a certain point other than we see hope. We're frustrated on a few things. Don't break up the Jays. Because well, it was and, the same thing every time. Yeah. And so we could have just copy and pasted our conversation. So mm-hmm. we were trying to find new stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm just like to Greg's point, I'm glad that we're in a different spot now. Now we can start to talk about rotations, playoff matchups, what this team looks like now that we're getting a more fully formed version. Now that the league and now the conference is starting to play itself out into some different tiers, we see where we're falling and we can start to look ahead. And it's, it's a lot more fun and certainly a lot more positive. Yeah, and like we have – so what I think we have right now, right, and we talked about depth a lot, but we have our game seven lineup, right, where the rotation's super short. We have our starting five. We have Derek White off the bench, Grant Williams, and Daniel Tice. Like that's pretty much going to be who we play in a game seven. It's just you hope that you get to that game seven, right? You hope you have the health to get there. But that's – there's nobody – like Peyton Pritchard is not going to play in a game seven. Aaron Neesmith is not going to play in a game seven. We just need for them to be able to help us in the regular season and one more piece to help us in the regular season. There's nobody on the buyout market that's going to come in and play in a game seven. This is the team that we're rolling with. You know what I mean? And I, I, I like this eight. I like this top eight that we have. Me too. I think they work well together and I think um, they can be a serious threat. And I, and um, I think there's optimism there, which, which is again, another thing that we didn't really get to say for a, a lot of the first part of the season. And now we can. Um, and I think, you know, they're, they've really shown those improvements and they've really just started to figure things out. And that's what we've been waiting for this, this whole time. But it's just so true. Like it was always the same thoughts every time. Cause it was like, well, yeah, I mean, still frustrated. Like nothing's changed there. Like the team still is not playing well. Like, what else am I supposed to talk about? Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just a constant like theme after every game that like, that's what it was. And then you could like pick apart like certain things about it, like, you know, email or whatever, like what we talked about before, but at, at the end of the day, it was still the same overarching theme. Like <laughs> this team was just a constant frustration every, every other night, whenever they play. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I'm for sure. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think there's going to be, um, it's going to be a serious kind of, uh, you know, dog fight in the Eastern conference, I think in the playoffs, I think there's going to be a lot of really competitive matchups. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, but you know, hopefully they can continue to play like this because this is exactly what we've been hoping for from them. And this is this, I'm looking at this team right now and I'm like, yeah, this is a team that can compete with the other teams in the East. Yeah, for sure. They, they have like, I mean, if you look at some, just some quick stats here before we wrap up, like the last 15 games in terms of passes, this is a number that Will and I talk about on our pod a lot, passes per game. Um, The last 15 games, they're fourth in the league at passes per game at 307 passes per game. They're eighth in the league potential assists at 48.5 potential assists. They're first in the league in secondary assists, like hockey assists at 4.3. They're eighth in the league in total assists, 26 per game. 
And then they're actually sixth in the league in a, a stat I love called assist points created, which is like all the assists, you know, with free throw, but not free throws, with uh, two pointers and three pointers at 68.1 um, points per game off of assists. So they, they've, they've shown great improvement in that, like the passes per game, just for reference, through December 1st, which I think was their first 22 games. Um, they're plus 22 passes per game. So they were at like 285 passes per game and now they're at 307. Oh, wow. Like they're, they've just, they're, their that's offense really is completely different. Yeah. And I, I, that's what I think is going to make the biggest difference with this team. We know their defense is amazing. Not many people are going to be able to score on them, but if they continue to move that rock and share the ball and hit open shots, they're going to be just fine. Yep. They've been taking a lot better shots lately in general. And that that's, that's like a nice thing to see too, you know, like, better ball movement, just taking smarter shots. And I think that's something that's really helped during this stretch too. Yeah. Um, I mean, the defense is going to be the calling card for this team. They're second in defensive rating for the season at this point, just behind the golden state Warriors. So if that offense can, can level out and right now they're actually leading the Eastern conference and net rating fourth in the league, you know, that's, that that's where this team is going to be able to, to really make a difference in the postseason. is that offense continuing to move at this rate. We know the defense will be there. That's a reason that Ime Adoka kind of hangs his hat on there and making sure that that's where this team is going to supplant their identity. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure. And I'm, I'm, I, I totally am, am on the same page as you guys. I think it's going to be awesome to kind of see how this all plays out. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the rest of the regular season and also the postseason. And let's hope that, you know, the Celtics can, uh, Make, continue to make us happy and put us in a good mood when we go to bed at night instead of uh, like <laughs> no more mouth cards. <laughs> no, so the, the mouth guard is not needed. Um, but yeah, I really, really appreciate you guys joining me on the show. I think this was really fun. Um, just quickly before we wrap up, just let everyone know where they can find you guys. Uh, yeah, you can find us together on Twitter and on Instagram at green envy pod. Um, you can find me personally on Twitter at mini minnow. You're probably not going to spell it right. So just type in my last name, which you probably also won't spell right. Um, but I, I have a band down here in Austin, Texas called Black Sheep Optimists. Um, so you can check them out as well. And then Will can let you, Will, he can tell you where you can find them. Yeah, it's real simple. You can just look me up. Uh, my name's a lot easier to spell. So at Wilbon, W-I-L-L-B-O-N-1-3. You can find me both on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then as Greg mentioned, uh, collectively at Green MB Pod, Twitter and Instagram. And then also make sure you check out our YouTube page. We're adding more content there. Greg has a great segment on there called Coach's Corner. We upload just about every interview that we do on there onto our YouTube page. So Green with Envy, search for it on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe to us and come join the fun. Oh, yeah. And then real quick, so uh, Green with Envy. One more the, thing, the- King, <laughs> even not on our own show. <laughs> Will Cosley, the one more thing, King. Um, so our podcast is actually part of the 617 podcast, right? So if you search up the 617 podcast, all of our episodes will be listed as Green with Envy. Yep. And as you mentioned, Celtics blog podcast with Adam Taylor. You can also find us there. We got a lot of things we're shouting out, apparently. <laughs> yeah. no, good. This is good. This is good. Everyone, you heard them. Everyone, check them out. They do really, really, really good coverage. Um, so everyone, show their show your support. Follow them. Check out their show. Um, and as always, I appreciate everyone tuning into the show. I, I, it's just it's so much fun and couldn't do it without the support of everybody. So I hope you all have a great rest of your week. Um, go Celtics, and I will talk to you all next time. Peace.